Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Cannoli Coach Podcast. I'm Kimberly Hambrick, and my guest today is Marsha Moran, a writer and public speaker. Marsha wrote Stroke Forward and works to help others learn how to maximize their life post-stroke. Marsha, welcome to the Cannoli Coach Podcast. Thank you very much, Kimberly. It's nice to be here. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Before we really get moving into the conversation, would you just share a bit more about yourself with the listeners? Sure. So we've lived in Virginia for over 20 years, which is amazing because it seems like we moved here like a minute ago. And I used to actually have my own coaching people on how to become better at figuring out what they should do instead of what they already did, like niching them. So that's what I did. Great, thank you. So you said you moved to Virginia. Where are you from originally? Seattle. Okay, well, that's a little bit of a difference. Well, Marcia, as you know, my podcast is really built around that I think we all have life-defining moments that have changed us or put us on a trajectory forward. And so would you please share your life-defining moment? Yeah, so in March 2014, I had a stroke. And... That clearly changed my path that I was on. In fact, it changed everything about me. And I think I like the person I've become. That's powerful. Yeah. May I ask, have you ha- did you have health issues before the stroke, or this was just out of the blue? It was out of the blue. So I had a carotid artery dissection, and it happens to 1% or 2% of the people. Oh, lucky and you. Yeah, lucky me. So I asked why I had it, and they said, we have no idea. So all I can say is since my stroke, I've been looking at the numbers, and you can have a stroke from prenatal to your 80s. And I had one they didn't think was probably possible for you or for me but it can be possible for anyone. Yeah, thank you. Well, I know we'll talk a little bit more about it. I really love how you said that you really like the person you've become. Um, <laughs> I, I really think that's powerful, and I want to talk about that. Um, so before we, we talk a little bit about post-stroke, because you describe your life as pre-stroke and post-stroke. So right. what was your professional journey like before March 2014? Well, I had my own business, and like I said, I would go out and I would actually reconnect people to their missions, and actually, I was very good at it. (laughs) 
and I lived a very nice life with my husband, my two cats, my two birds. <laughs> I thought everything was perfect or as perfect as you can get, you know? Right, right. So, so when you say you connected people to their mission, what does that look like? Well, so I had one person or actually a company who wanted to connect what they did better to the people who were actually in the company. So I wrote a new website for them. And I actually talked to everybody in the company and I put together a plan that actually promoted the company differently than what it was before. Before they were actually, anybody, anybody could do a website, right? Mm -hmm. But these people actually took the time to understand what you really wanted to do and they branded people differently. Love it. So they didn't do that for themselves, which was odd, but I did it for them. <laughs> yes, no. I, you know, sometimes, and I think one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's Les Brown, it's difficult to see the picture when you're in the frame. So you, you can be an expert at web design, but not know how to look inward and do it for yourself. Right. Yes. Right. So I, I love that. I appreciate that. All right. So then fast forward, if you will, to March and you have the stroke. And, and I know just by reading a little bit about it, you, you had a difficult, difficult road back to right. where you are right now. So, so first let's talk about your healing and your health journey, and then we'll talk about your professional journey now. Okay. So it took me three and a half years to the point where I was actually kind of better. I had speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy, because I was, my right side was at first paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And so the, the physical therapy, I had probably four different physical therapists that insurance paid for. And that took me down through August. And I could walk, but barely. <laughs> so I actually hired my own physical therapist, and she worked with me for a year. And got me better. In fact, when I started stopped working with her, I could walk, and people couldn't see that I had had a stroke. That's amazing. You know, there's so much power in our healing yeah. when we not only work with the right people but we invest in what they're asking of us right um i shared with you before we hit record that my mother when she was living had suffered from strokes and she did not invest in the work yeah. that that they asked of her and and it was very difficult to yeah. see to, you know yeah. so I, I i just applaud you because i do think there's some mindset to it there, you, you you fought like heck to get back and better. I worked out every single day, whether it's picking up rice and putting it in a cup, which, by the way, takes a lot of work, yes. <laughs> day after day after day. But I worked out every single day because 
if I stopped working out, I probably wouldn't have picked it up again. Mm -hmm. So whether I like wanted to or not, I worked out every single day. Yeah. And I often took a nap afterwards. <laughs> so it's like, get up, shower, take a nap. Brush my hair, take a nap. <laughs> you did what you needed to do. And looking at you now, I, I don't see any effects of a person who had such a debilitating stroke like you did. Because as I said, I've seen people who have had strokes. So obviously you are where you want to be and still continuing health-wise. When did you start to get back onto like a professional journey and, and want to do something more? Well, I started interviewing August of 2015. So it's a month and three months, a year and two, three months after my stroke. And during that time, I realized I had aphasia and because of the aphasia, I couldn't get a job. <laughs> so I got interviews. That was no problem. But when the phone rang and I picked it up and the interviewer said, hi, how are they? And I'd say, hi, I'm Marsha, blah, blah, blah. They'd ask the first question of me and I'd go, and nothing would come out. And so they'd say, take your time and I'd go, and nothing would come out. <laughs> so I knew that I had to find a different path. So I had started writing my book a year after my stroke. And I thought, well, if I can't get a job, I'll just focus on this. It took me four and a half years, <laughs> but I finally got it out. And so there were a few things that made writing difficult. One was the aphasia. So I couldn't remember how to spell words. <laughs> so when I started writing, it would take me almost all day to write two paragraphs. And I got better. But when I finished the book and I reread it, it was without emotion. I thought, nobody's ever going to read this. <laughs> I am never going to read this. So I put it down. And about six months later, I picked it up and I rewrote it. And I looked at it and it was better. <laughs> but eh, still not so good. So I put it down again. And the third time I picked it up, I rewrote it again. And it was a lot better. So... I was ready to go. I thought I was ready to go and I wasn't. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about it. So you weren't ready to go with getting the book published or? I thought the book was ready to go and I hired Diana Needham mm -hmm. and she looked at the book and she said, it's really good, but you need to hire an editor. I went, okay. And the editor took a couple months and when I got it back, I thought, I'm not sure I like this. So I actually put it out to three friends. They all came back and said, use the editor. <laughs> I said, okay, fine. So it's not like she changed 
the last half of the book or maybe the last two thirds of the book, but she changed the first third. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly the stuff that I was writing when I first started writing. And I realize now that I was really, I wanted that in the book because it was so personal to me. But if I were a reader, it wouldn't be personal to me. So that's why I understood when they said, use the editor. That's what they were saying. Yeah, no, I, I understand. So your book is Stroke Forward. And the, the reason, I mean, obviously you wrote the book as a healing for you. But, but what is the intention of your book? The first intention is that if you're a stroke survivor, you need to understand that there are other people out there who made it a passion to get better. <laughs> the second thing is, it's for the healthcare providers. Like my husband, he's an advocate now. When we went into the hospital, neither one of us knew anything about advocacy. Mm-hmm. So he learned about it day by day. So when you're in the hospital and you're taking care of somebody who might die, the last thing you want to do is learn about advocacy. So it gives a blueprint about how we ventured forward. And you can learn it in a day. And the third thing is that if you want to become an advocate, it tells you at least the beginnings of how to become one. Thank you. That, that is so powerful. I just think back to both of my parents and their illnesses and uh, being in the hospital and trying to help them and not knowing <laughs> what I needed to know. Um, I made a few mistakes. I may offended a few doctors, um, but to give a, voice to somebody who in both of their cases and in yours don't have that voice at that point in time and to make sure that what's being done is is the best for them so I, I'm so glad that you wrote the book and that you yeah. worked with it to get it to the point where you're happy with it well thank you very much <laughs> you know and and you and I met through a joint connection, Jordan Gross. And I I just, you know, shout out to Jordan. I love Jordan. He's like my third son. Um, And and he seems to write a lot of books. So do you have another book in you? I might. I don't know what it it is about, Um, but I think I might. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. He always asks me, are you going to write a book? And I'm like, he starts small start with a mini book and I'm like I don't have anything to say but I probably do you actually probably have a lot to say I think we all do and I think just like you I'm a firm believer that we learn through each other's stories and if what I have to say and what I share through you know posts or journal articles or the podcast helps one person it was meant to help that person. So I, I do that. 
You know, the other thing that I saw when I was reading up on you, you talk about the power of laughter and comedy in your healing. And so what you may or may not know about me is I am a firm believer that each and every day you should have a deep belly laugh. And if you have tears streaming, all the better. So, so talk a little bit with us about where comedy intersected and how, how I'm assuming it was a part of your healing. Well, I look at it as I could either cry or laugh. So I choose to laugh. Now, it might have been inappropriate sometimes. <laughs> but I remember I'd just gotten home from the hospital. And a friend of mine had stopped by Noodles and Company to bring food over. And we were having lunch, kind of. And... I couldn't get the food from the dish into my mouth. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, if this is how it's going to be, things are going to be pretty bad for me. <laughs> but I just laughed because it's like, there's nothing I could do, you know? No, and I, I truly love and respect that attitude because I'm a firm believer that even in the bad in our life, there is good. And I, and I choose to, you know, I learn from the bad, but I choose to focus on the good. And it's those moments of laughter that stay with me. And I, I, I mean, a lot of times I laugh at myself, let's just be honest, because some of the things I do, but um, I, I, ask, I appreciate that. So, you know, Marsha, um, I think about what you've been through and I think about the book. What, what is it that you want people to take away and know about you and your story? Boy, that might be a loaded question. <laughs> I think the first thing is I want people to understand that every stroke is different. So some people might need your help and want your help and be afraid to ask. Some people might not want your help. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first thing I think you should do is ask, do you want me to help you? If the answer is no, that's fine. If the answer is yes, that's fine as well. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, you're probably going to be dealing with the after effects for the rest of your life. So 10% of stroke survivors get 100% better. Okay. The other 90%, not so good. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand as a caretaker, maybe they have aphasia. Maybe you have to learn to help them talk. And that means letting them talk, not talking over them. And that's really hard. Yeah. And the third thing is get out there and have some fun. <laughs> because you never know when it's your last day. No, so true, so true. And 
You shared a story with me earlier that I'm going to ask you to share now about your love of kayaking. So before the stroke, I kayaked. We have a place at Deep Creek Lake, and I kayaked all over. And I had my stroke, and I went out the year after my stroke and paddled, I think, one time. And it was very bad. It's like I, when it time, came time to get out, I didn't even know if I would be able to get out. I actually climbed up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting thing. It's like, all right, there's a ladder here. I can do it. <laughs> so the second year, I went a couple times. But last year, which is the fifth year after my stroke, I got into my kayak and my husband made me wait. And he said, I want you to know that you did it just like you always did it before your stroke. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That is so powerful. And bless him for giving you that moment yeah. to, to enjoy that. So, you know, Marsha, I am truly honored that you wanted to have this conversation. Uh, you're, you are better and well for a reason. I firmly believe that, and it's to, to open our eyes and awareness of, of people who have suffered with strokes or who have family members and, and caretakers, because you're right, it's, they're all different in how individuals process mm-hmm. having a stroke is, is different. So I, I just thank you for coming on and having the conversation. Well, thanks a lot, Kim. It has been a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's been a lot of fun too. And I'll make sure that we put a link out to your book because it sounds like a wonderful book and I know that many people would benefit from it. So thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. And I want to thank my listeners as well. I am blessed each and every time you tune in. Please follow me so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and connect with me at KimberlyHambrick.com. And until next time, let's leave the frustration and take the cannoli. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.